Today, we see Jacob bless his sons before he takes his final breath. Blessings that aren't simply for the sons, but for generations to come. On The Bible Brief. The nation of Israel has moved from the land of Canaan to the land of Egypt. Seventy people came in a caravan to the area called Goshen, the best fertile pasture land in all of Egypt, and there they settled. It would be their home away from home for generations to come, a place to dwell away from the land of Canaan. Those seventy people would turn into seven hundred, and then seven thousand, and then more. But before that happens, the namesake of the nation begins to fade in health and come to the end of his difficult life. Jacob, Israel, was coming to the end of his days in the body, and soon he becomes ill, weak, and bedridden. It's in this state that we see perhaps some of the greatest statements in his life. It's here that we see where the blessing goes, that important blessing that a father gives to his son, or in this case, sons. We read this beginning in Genesis chapter 48. After this, Joseph was told, Behold, your father is ill. So he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And it was told to Jacob, Your son Joseph has come to you. Then Israel summoned his strength and sat up in bed. And Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Bethel in the land of Canaan and blessed me, and said to me, Behold, I will make you fruitful and multiply you, and I will make you a company of peoples, and will give this land to your offspring after you for an everlasting possession. Joseph has come to his father as his father's body is failing, and we get an important comment from Jacob that tells us something of his demeanor at his final hour. He's considering and telling of the promise that God made to him at Bethel. This promise delivered first to Abraham, next to Isaac, and finally to Jacob. The promise is wrapped in the Abrahamic covenant, promises of land, seed, and blessing. The land of Canaan, seed in abundance, and blessing to all the nations of the world through a particular seed of Abraham. Jacob is reminding his son Joseph that he and his brothers are heirs of a great promise, a promise that will come to define them. After this review of the promise, He then goes about with his fatherly blessings. Let's listen to how Jacob blesses Joseph and his two sons. Jacob says this, And now your two sons, who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt, are mine. Ephraim and Manasseh shall be mine, as Reuben and Simeon are. And the children that you fathered after them shall be yours. They shall be called by the name of their brothers in their inheritance. Note just briefly here that Jacob is formally adopting Joseph's sons as if they were the same generation as Joseph. Ephraim and Manasseh, from here, will be considered as sons of Jacob. Then it says this, When Israel saw Joseph's sons, he said, Who are these? Joseph said to his father, These are my sons whom God has given me here. And he said, Bring them to me, please, that I may bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were dim with age, so that he could not see. So Joseph brought them near him, and he kissed them and embraced them. And Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face, and behold, 
God has let me see your offspring also. And he blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the boys. And in them let my name be carried on, in the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. When Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on the head of Ephraim, the younger son of Joseph, it displeased him, and he took his father's hand to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. And Joseph said to his father, Not this way, my father. Since this one is the firstborn, put your right hand on his head. But Jacob refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He also shall become a people, and he also shall be great. Nevertheless, his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his offspring shall become a multitude of nations. So he blessed them that day, saying, By you Israel will pronounce blessings, saying, God make you as Ephraim and as Manasseh. Thus he put Ephraim before Manasseh. Then Israel said to Joseph, Behold, I am about to die, but God will be with you and will bring you again to the land of your fathers. Joseph's sons have received a great blessing from their grandfather and now adoptive father Jacob. They have received a blessing of abundant offspring, and just as we've seen through much of the Bible story, Jacob has put the younger brother in the place of greater blessing than the older brother. Here we also see something important. We see Jacob granting Joseph the blessing of the birthright, commonly given to the firstborn son, but here given to his eleventh-born son, the oldest son of his favorite wife, Rachel. This birthright blessing involved a double portion of inheritance compared to other brothers. And here this double portion is given simply by elevating Jacob's two grandchildren by Joseph to the same status as Jacob's actual sons. In a sense, Jacob multiplies Joseph's blessing by the number of his sons, resulting in a double portion of blessing. After this great struggle and competition for blessing among the brothers, it appears that Joseph has received the greatest blessing from his father. But before we make that judgment, let's keep reading. Jacob isn't done blessing his sons. Blessings that aren't necessarily just for his sons, but for future generations also. Blessings that will find their fulfillment in the end of days. Then Jacob called his sons and said, Gather yourselves together that I may tell you what shall happen to you in the end of days. Assemble and listen, O sons of Jacob. Listen to Israel, your father. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might and the firstfruits of my strength, preeminent in dignity and preeminent in power. Unstable as water, you shall not have preeminence. Because you went up to your father's bed, then you defiled it. He went up to my couch. First, Jacob addresses his firstborn Reuben and dismisses his participation in positive blessing. He says that Reuben should have been preeminent, but because Reuben had slept with Jacob's concubine wife, he'd essentially disqualified himself from positive blessing. But lest Reuben be the only one, next Jacob turns to Simeon and Levi, those brothers who had slaughtered the village of Shechem for defiling their sister Dinah many years prior. To these brothers, Jacob says this, Simeon and Levi are brothers. 
Weapons of violence are their swords. Let my soul come not into their counsel. O my glory, be not joined to their company. For in their anger they killed men, and in their willfulness they hamstrung oxen. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I will divide them in Jacob, and scatter them in Israel. Jacob's second and third sons also disqualified themselves due to their gross and overwrought violence and vengeance upon the city of Shechem. This so displeased their father that instead of receiving a positive blessing, they too receive a sort of anti-blessing, certainly not what they might have hoped as they entered the room with their ailing father. But next, next comes Judah, the man who we have come to know, first for his scheme to sell Joseph into slavery, then for his deceitful and immoral activity with his daughter-in-law Tamar, until finally we learned of his selfless offer to be a substitute in the place of Benjamin as a slave in Egypt. He's gone from completely selfish to incredibly selfless. How will Jacob bless this son? Judah, your brothers, shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's cub. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He stooped. He crouched as a lion and as a lioness. Who dares rouse him? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until the one comes to whom it belongs. And to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. Binding his foal to the vine, and his donkey's colt to the choice vine, he has washed his garments in wine, and his vesture in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine, and his teeth whiter than milk. This blessing on Judah is certainly wrapped in poetic language, but we can't miss the monumental significance of these verses. This blessing of Judah is so important that it's quoted and referenced through the rest of the Bible. So it's critical that we get the basics of what Jacob has said here about Judah. Remember as Jacob is blessing his sons, he's telling them of what will happen in the end of days. And as he makes this blessing on Judah, Judah is described clearly as the most prominent brother. Jacob says, Your brothers shall praise you, and your father's sons shall bow down before you. While the brothers had bowed to Joseph as prime minister of Egypt in his lifetime, in the future, the nation of Israel would bow to Judah's descendants. And not only that, but to Judah will be the, quote, obedience of the nations. Even those outside the nation of Israel will bow to Judah. But why will they bow? Because as Jacob says, the scepter shall not depart from Judah until the one comes to whom it belongs. Said another way, a never-ending line of kings ruling with a scepter would come from Judah until a particular king comes to whom the kingship truly belongs. Now there's more to this blessing, but we're going to focus just on what we've said. Judah will be the leading brother the leading tribe among the tribes of the nation of Israel. And eventually, from this tribe will come the final king to whom not merely the nation will bow, but all nations will bow. This king from Judah will not merely have national preeminence, he will have global prominence. To Judah, Jacob has promised something greater than Joseph. 
Judah will be the line through whom the great promised seed would come. That seed of Eve who would defeat the serpent. The seed of Abraham who would bless all the nations of the world and defeat his enemies. This seed now has further color. He won't just bless all the nations and defeat evil. He will also rule the world, and he will come from the tribe of Judah. Now, now we know where to look for this promised one. Promised since the first pages of the Bible. We look in the tribe of Judah. We look for a king. Now, we don't have time to look at the other blessings of each of the other sons of Jacob, but we've covered the main important ones to ensure that you remember. Joseph received the birthright double portion blessing with the adoption of his two sons by his father Jacob, while Judah received the great promise of the king who will rule Israel and the nations. Jacob's blessing of his twelve sons ends with these words. All these are the twelve tribes of Israel. This is what their father said to them as he blessed them, blessing each one with a blessing suitable to him. Then he commanded them and said to them, I am to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave, in the cave that is in the field at Machpelah, in the east of Mamre, in the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought to possess as a burying place. When Jacob finished commanding his sons, he drew up his feet into the bed and breathed his last and was gathered to his people. Jacob was dead, but Israel would live on. It would live on through his sons. The twelve tribes of Israel, now in the land of Egypt, but destined for the land of Canaan. Join us next time as we see a final moment of drama in the book of Genesis. Will Joseph take his revenge on his brothers now that his father is dead? The Bible Brief is brought to you by the Bible Literacy Foundation, dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2023.